I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story. All right. So last week, I kind of... talked a lot about uh, introduction to Proverbs, knowing that we didn't all have books and that sort of thing. Uh, so now we have our books and the first lesson is an introduction to Proverbs. <laughs> some of this will be review. We'll kind of glaze over some of the, the things that I kind of mentioned in, in my presentation last week. But then there's there's uh, thought questions, discussion questions, and that'll, um, that'll get us talking. So, um, The, uh, the quote here at the top kind of has some big words in it and stuff, but basically it's saying that uh, we might be guilty of ignoring Proverbs in our Bible studies and, and sermons and that sort of thing. And part of why we might do that is because, well, it's the Old Testament and we don't need to get into all of that details about the law. Uh, but in fact, the Proverbs doesn't really get into that at all. It doesn't get into the aspects of the law of Moses. It's really just practical knowledge, practical wisdom for living everyday life and uh, for not getting into financial trouble and for not getting into marital trouble and getting along with your neighbors and just practical things like that. And so to whatever extent we're guilty of that, we we shouldn't be and we should repent of that. (laughs) We should study. So, hey, we're studying it now. So um, it's also kind of an interesting thought that right now we're studying James, uh, or at least James is a big part of what our Sunday night study is about living by faith. And so James is somewhat parallel in the New Testament to Proverbs. So kind of neat. We're, we're getting a lot of, maybe we need a lot of wisdom right now with everything going on. So anyhow, uh, I guess one thing I want to encourage the class, especially as we get to the questions, you know, I want to encourage everybody to feel free and open to participate in this. And, and maybe I'm just imagining maybe some people are timid or whatever. Maybe you feel like, well, I don't know the verse for that or whatever. A lot of this is just, you know, I hit a guy, <laughs> I almost hit a guy in my car and, and, uh, and we got in a fight. <laughs> you know, we all have experiences, good and bad, and, and I think we all have something to offer. And I just want to encourage everybody to maybe let loose a little bit on this and just feel free to participate with some life lessons you've learned. Maybe even feel comfortable to share some stupid things you've done because I've got those stories for myself as well. Those are, that's kind of what the, the thrust of all this is about. But uh, there's a lot of scripture in here. I'm not trying to say it's not a Bible study, but um, just want to encourage that that open participation. So the author of Proverbs here in, in this book, we kind of talked about that in my presentation. The author's Solomon, you know, the first beginning of the book mentions that. And then there's a couple of sections in the book that, that denote that these are Proverbs of Solomon. And there's also a section in chapters 23 through 24 that are attributed to the, uh, says the wise men in our outline, or the words of the wise, the words of the wise men, you might say. Um, there's some question about well, who, who precisely those are attributed to. We talked a little bit about that as well. And then chapter 30 is attributed to Agur. It says here in our outline that that means gatherer or collector. Uh, some research I did, the word could mean wage earner. It doesn't really identify who it is <laughs> either way with those definitions, but there's different thoughts on that. 
and then Lemuel in uh, chapter 31 and the way he put, wrote the outline in this in our workbook kind of suggests that perhaps uh, the whole of 31 is written by Lemuel. I kind of think the second half of the, that chapter might be by someone else because it's different, but, but it could be all by this Lemuel. Uh, and it says that the name means dedicated to God and it may be a reference to Solomon. In the background of Solomon, you know, his acquisition of riches there in 1 Kings uh, 3 and, and uh, talks there about how he had um, his acquisition of wisdom. Did I say riches? was <laughs> wisdom. He, he had the, the dream and God was asking him, you know, what basically what do you want? And, and then Solomon's response and humility was, you know, I, I don't know how to do this. I need wisdom. And God blessed him with that and riches and everything else. And so that's the beginning of that. Uh, and then some of those verses in uh, Roman numeral 2.B, his fame for wisdom, First uh, Kings 3, that first reference is that situation where there were the two women who claiming to have the same baby and there's dispute over whose baby it was. And so he offered to cut it in half. And so then the, the true mother, of course, would prefer to give up the baby than have that happen. So he was able to determine whose baby that was. And then chapter four talks about how wise he was in the 3000 Proverbs, some things we talked about last week as well. And then the queen of Sheba coming to consult with him and to be amazed at his wisdom in chapter 10. And then that reference in Matthew chapter 12, you know, one greater than Solomon here. And I think we mentioned that and I quizzed and D got it right that that's a reference to Jesus, one greater than Solomon. So his wisdom's greater than Solomon. And I'm not sure if I mentioned it last week, but you know, of course, Solomon had his downfall there in First Corinthians, First Kings 11 talks about uh, have his wives led him astray with idol worship. And then, so the question here, and you can chime in because it's a question: Is it possible for a man to have wisdom yet not use it? And does that detract from the strength of his words of wisdom? Thoughts on that? What do we do with Solomon here, right? Yeah, I have trouble with Solomon. Um, yeah. Especially because First uh, Kings 11 says this is when he was old that his wives led him astray. Uh, you know, and I'm like, oh, you should have some wisdom. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah, you should. And, uh, and, and I do have trouble overcoming that you know it's like a hurdle in my brain i know god put it's sort of like job um a, a lot of job what job's friends were saying was wrong and yet it's written for us to learn from and you know i get that all tangled in my head god allowed this to be preserved for us it's god's word so I know it must be good and pure and holy, but I do have trouble with Solomon. And, and it does seem for me to detract from the wisdom of his words. Good, good call. Good thought. Um, truth is truth, I guess, would be the simple answer, but, but I certainly understand everything you're saying. Are there other thoughts on that? Mike? Matt? Yeah. Hey, Matt. Um Oh, am I? okay. Uh, what, I, what I was thinking is, you know, Solomon could tell you from experience some of these things that he messed up. 
And the interesting thing was, you know, he had all this wisdom to judge among other people. And sometimes it's easier to judge among other people than to see what's going on in your own life and see that you're messing up. <laughs> Quit pointing at me, girl. <laughs> My whole family just started pointing at me. <laughs> Except all the girls did. Okay. So, oh, Leanne, where's Leanne? Is she on? My, well, anyway. So the thing is, is that he was a wise judge of other people's affairs. And that's what he really wanted to be. But he didn't always apply that same wisdom to his own life, as we can see with, you know, the high places and letting his foreign wives um, lead him astray. And I can't think of the verse, and I'm sure we're going to get to it at some point in Proverbs, where it talks about how, um, I don't know if it's a harlot or if it's a, a woman, a seductress, can basically turns a man into a crust of bread. And I think at some point, you know, he became a crust of bread and went along with anything some of those wives and concubines of his wanted to do because, well, well, that, that's what happens. And he allowed that to happen. Yet he could see that probably with other people, but he allowed it to, to um, cap, capture him and when he should have known better. So I don't think it takes away from what he's saying, but I, I think I, I, I always question whether Solomon was saved. And I, I don't know if that's right for me to do that or not, but but regardless of whether he was saved or not, we know that his words were inspired. So, yeah, I, I, I have those questions uh, too. I guess I'm a, little, a Proverbs, I'm a little bit in disagreement. <laughs> Just a little. Proverbs 6.26, for by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread. I had to look that up. <laughs> okay. Is there another comment That's that we had at the same time as Mike there? Hey, um, I was just thinking as you guys were talking, I knew we'd eventually lead into James because it seems like no matter what we study, we reflect whatever else we're studying on Sunday night and that it just, it just how it happens in that. So, but, but it's like looking in a mirror, you know, sometimes it's easy to tell someone else something they need to change in their life, but it's hard to look in a mirror yourself and see your own flaws. And James talks about that pretty pretty good, you know, in the beginning of James, you know, about how it's so important to look in that mirror and to be able to see that. So, but if we're waiting for someone perfect to write the scripture of God, there was only one person that could do it, you know, and that, so, you know, Peter wasn't perfect. Paul wasn't perfect, but we read those letters all the time. And that, so, so it's just, you can't, you can't gauge um, a book by, how perfect its author was and that and at least we know that God's hand was with Solomon when he wrote these things now if he lived by them or not was his choice and that um, words are true even if our actions show otherwise just like the preacher may not you know follow what he preaches sometimes and I'm not talking to you Darren but uh, <laughs> but that may happen but that doesn't mean the words that he says isn't true and that so so it's just one of those things you just can't refuse God's word based on how imperfect the person is that might be sharing it. Well, in Daniel 4, 34, we talked about last week that Nebuchadnezzar, the Gentile king of Babylon, who most of what he did was that, you know, he was praising God and we have him quoted in the Bible. And so you got things like that. I think I said this before on Sunday night when we were studying James, but wisdom is known to be the right use of knowledge. You can have a lot of knowledge, but if you don't know how to use it or when to use it, 
then you're not very wise. And so maybe that's one of the things that Solomon struggled with, how to use all that knowledge that he had. Yeah. Clearly, he, he at some point did not use his wisdom, is what seems to be the case. But. Matt? Yes. Um, I was thinking back when, uh, you know, God asked Solomon what he, you know, what he wanted. And, you know, he, he wanted the wisdom, you know, to judge the people. And when God gave him the riches with it, I mean, we know God knows everything. So I think, you know, God knew what Solomon was going to do later on in his life. And I think a lot of this, and I think uh, in Ecclesiastes as well, of how weary Solomon was. He knew he had done wrong. He knew that the things that, um, you know, sometimes you don't worry about your reputation, but other times you do when you realize, you know, these are things that, uh, you know, I've done, I've made mistakes, but, I'm, you know, I'm trying to, you know, work through my life, but I think um, all in all, it is, it is for everyone because I think it's because God knew that um, we are going to be tested like that. And I think it was a, you know, it was kind of a test for Solomon as to what actually he would do with all the extra, you know, and how we get distracted ourselves how you rely on your wealth, you know, to help you rather than relying on the one who gave you that wealth. And I think the more I study it, the more I feel like that's, that's what, uh, you know, God intended for Solomon to, he had to experience those things. He had the choices. He made bad choices, just like we make bad choices. And I think it's just as something that as God in his infinite wisdom, we always um, learn something from every time we pick up the word. There's always something more to learn and you know, for us to gain the wisdom that we need to avoid those pitfalls. Yeah, and I, I kind of think of it in terms of math. So if you think I'm like a, a master mathematician, engineer, and he writes this book about building bridges and it's, and it's perfectly true math and it, you can build bridges and do this but then this man who wrote the book goes and builds a bridge and, and doesn't actually use the math principles in his book and just builds everything too weak and it collapses and he's a failure that doesn't really make his book about the math wrong those math truths are true he just didn't follow them and he built a stupid bridge and broke it so Solomon kind of did that with his life in a way it doesn't negate the truth of the of the wisdom that he had and that he wrote, uh, but he didn't apply it when he was worshiping idols and being led astray. The thoughts on that? I, I think it should, no, nobody's bulletproof. You know, yeah. Nobody's spiritually bulletproof. And I, I think he, what it shows is that, you know, he, he, he could be a victim of circumstances just like the rest of us, even in spite of all the wisdom he had if he didn't live by those same things that he was preaching, so. Matt, in Matthew 23, verses two and three, we read, 
The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore, all that they tell you do and observe, but do not do according to their deeds. For they say things and do not do them. That's what Jesus said to his disciples. Yeah, good point. So they were they were teaching, to the extent they were teaching the word of God, they were teaching the truth, but they weren't living it. So don't follow their example, right? Good, good point, good example. All right, so Roman numeral two, the background of Solomon. Uh, it says here, uh, Robert, I'm getting myself confused. No, actually, we're doing that. His, his fame is downfall. So Roman numeral three, the book of Proverbs. What is a proverb? The word proverb, mashal in Hebrew, and often, often translated in Greek as parabole, which is parable in the New Testament, interestingly. Uh, but that means um, to be like a comparison or noting likeness and things unlike. Um, so what would you say a proverb is, or can you give a modern day proverb example that illustrates that, or just give an example? So not necessarily a biblical one, but a saying, a wise saying. Would chip off the old block fit in there? Yeah, perhaps. Kind of saying that uh, sons tend to be like their fathers, basically, right? Yeah. A short saying that it says all that. <laughs> D? I love, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink, which is <laughs> yeah, not a yeah. thing for ranchers, you know. <laughs> They're not sitting there, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, these are things we all understand and can see. I think it's wonderful. Yeah. A stitch in time saves nine. Fix your clothes when they're starting to fall apart so it doesn't completely explode and have a whole lot more work to do. All those kinds of things. And, and, and I think those are all, you know, there's wisdom in those things. And they're memorable and they're short and they're impactful. Hopefully we apply them. Or when we do something stupid, we remember, oh, that, that saying, I should have done that. That? Yeah. Ralph? Yeah, an addendum to Dee's remark, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. But if you lead him often enough, they may get thirsty. <laughs> oh, because he's walking around so much. <laughs> yeah. Don't look a gift horse in the mouth. I had a horse one written down here. So People don't even know what that means sometimes, but whatever. All right. So part B kind of goes on the same idea here. Uh, proverbs are brief, concrete, and pithy. Pithy is kind of, I looked that one up. It's basically, it's short and terse. It's, it's impactful. It's a, kind of like these ones we were saying. They're short and memorable. Or we're not like having to get out a book and say, uh, lead a horse to water. You know, we have these memorized because they're just short, little, memorable things. And we know what they mean. They illustrate general truths and have diverse applications. Uh, can you name any other characteristics of a proverb than being brief and memorable? I always think they're simple, like anybody can simple. understand them. You don't have to be a rocket scientist or something. You don't have to, you know, I like all of them. You, you tell a child that and, and, and that, and they can pretty much get it and that, and that's what's so beautiful about it. You don't have to be really intelligent or really educated or anything like that. It's very simple, but it's something that will help someone. 
Some of these proverbs, we might scratch your head a little bit as we read them. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that they're in an ancient culture and we have to do a little, little research for them to make sense. But the, but the lessons are usually pretty basic. Don't do stupid things is, is a theme in the book. And be good and just to people, do the right things. All right, well, which I guess that kind of goes to C. What is the main theme of Proverbs? Chapter four, seven. What is the theme? Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. That's what 4.7 says. So get wisdom. I, I like how the emphasis on getting is there because it makes it like this is something so valuable. You're, 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 you're listening to the richest man in the world. And what does he say? Does he say, oh, do this and you'll get money or something? No, he's saying this is the value. Get wisdom. Wisdom is the most important thing which I think that's really kind of neat that he's, he's um, says it that way. And that, so he's like, go out and get it. It's like, you know, telling someone to go get something that's going to help them for the rest of their life. So. I like the way the English standard version has verse seven here. The beginning of wisdom is this get wisdom. <laughs> so you want to know how to get, you know, you know what about wisdom is well, Step one, get it. You know, you need to you need to work on it. It sort of presupposes that we study this and we look into these things and contemplate and apply them to our lives. All right. Letter C. What is the main? Oh, that's what we just did. What the main theme? Letter D. What is the purpose of Proverbs? It's pretty closely related, but uh, that goes to the very beginning of the book. Verses one through six. What do you get from verses one through six as the theme? I would say look at verse seven as well. We have knowing wisdom, instruction, insight, justice and equity, righteousness, you know, being good, doing the right things, that sort of thing. Wisdom. You know, mad. And yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I put down with all the others there after you, you, you know, knowing wisdom, just applying it to your life. It kind of goes along with what Deb was saying in that you can know a lot of things, but until you really use it, you're not really wise in that. So, so he's doing all of these ways that you can apply this, get that wisdom and apply it to my life. And then he goes about like the whole book, you're going to be showing us how he shows different areas of our life we can apply it to. So, and you know how much I love life applications. So <laughs> this is going to be a fun book. <laughs> yeah, this is an application book. If you, if you get a little bored studying about how much oil to put in the candlestick and in, you know, Leviticus and all that kind of stuff, that's not this book. This book is about how, how not to get a bad deal on your car and how to be good to your neighbor and just regular stuff. So verse seven is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Wolves despise wisdom and instruction. So I would, I would say that's that's part of what's going on here. But basically, the wisdom and fairness and knowledge, and all in the context of fearing God. All right, letter E. Proverbs are intensely practical. In what ways? 
what does the book of Proverbs emphasize in our lives? So if you've, if you've been through Proverbs before, or maybe even read through the whole 31 chapters in preparation of this book, what's some things that wash over you and you, some things, some themes you feel, areas of emphasis, practical things. Things that you can use today. Um, like all the ones about keeping your mouth shut. Uh, I can read those first thing in the morning and know that that's going to help me all through the day. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just useful today. Very useful and practical. Yep. So I wrote down honesty, politeness, fairness, avoiding disaster, and, and then on the positive side, you know, leading a good life, leading a, a successful life. Um, the word that's sometimes translated blessed, like blessed is the man that does this or that is, sometimes we say, well, that means happy. It's, it's sort of like a successful, uh, having a successful life is what's intended there. So you'll be happy and you'll, you'll be blessed. All right. So we just had questions, but now we're in the discussion questions. More questions. Number one, how did Solomon obtain his wisdom? She's kind of read about that, but how do we obtain our wisdom from James? What's the connection there? Well, it, it's kind of the same. We, yeah. ask, we, we ask God for wisdom. You know, if we go to him, if we go to him in faith and we ask for wisdom, that's, that's the starting point. But yeah, I, I think um, it's something that I think he grants us, but it's we don't get it like snap, bang, boom, automatically. I think it's something we work, work at a little bit more, though. Mm -hmm. But step, step one seems to be to ask. So having that humble attitude where you're praying and recognizing, you know, thinking back to Solomon, he, he had that vision where God asked him, what do you want, basically? And he said, you know, I don't know how to do this. Please give me wisdom. We need to have that attitude as well. We don't really have the whole, <laughs> we don't have life figured out. We need wisdom. We need to recognize that and pray to God and, and study his word. You know, not, not just pray and ask for some sort of magic trick or whatever, like you said, but, uh, uh, but pray and have that humble attitude and also study and work toward it as well. And that's what James says. If anyone lacks wisdom, ask of God. And then chapter three, it talks about the wisdom from above as opposed to, you know, the demonic. So we want to have the source be from God. Matt, I had always heard yeah. that in James, since it's referring to James, um, I always heard James was considered the camelback. Um, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure what you I mean was by looking that. For. But, and the reason was, is because he was always on his knees in prayer. And so oh. kind of, referred to him as yeah um, i'm not sure if it was james but one of the ancient early christians was known for camel knees or something because yeah, like so you said he was praying so much up, but um, yeah I, I feel like maybe it was uh like origin or eusebius or one of those other guys but it, it may have been james i'm not really sure yeah and and i think that's the whole key though you know we can have all that knowledge but we don't ask from the Lord, who it's really wisdom comes from him, then we're not going to get it. And it, James was a good, oh, just, I just had James, the camelback believer, always on his knees in prayer. 
So knew there was something like that, but yeah. that's where he we got his wisdom. We can definitely learn from those examples and pray more and be more humble. Matt. Yes. I think I think wisdom is a growing process. I think when you're younger, wisdom, you need the wisdom, but you don't really know. I mean, you don't really appreciate it as much as when, as you're getting older and you understand you've, you've built that long relationship with God and you know that there's things there that he, he needs you to do for him. But I think it's just at the beginning, it's not as strong as it is as you get older. So experience is certainly a practical part of that, whether we're talking about taking care of your car or taking care of your soul. Either way, we, there's mistakes we can make and there's good choices we can make in the, through experience and through learning from mentors that are wise. Um, you know, Matt, I'm just thinking, uh, listening to everyone's comments, I'm reminded of what someone said to me a long time ago. Um, think very seriously about what you pray for because you just might get it. And, and, and that's really true. Uh, when we're talking about wisdom, sometimes wisdom has to come through experience. I think as Mike was saying, uh, we have to have experience to be able to understand how to face those uh, difficulties in life. And uh, so when you're asking for wisdom, think about that, uh, how, how that might come about. Practical, practical experience for sure. Dad, yes. I also think that we have to strive real hard to teach our young people early about the scriptures because it really is the, the way of life. It can keep you out of so much trouble. You know, it, it really points to the things that you need to avoid. And as we try to talk to people out in the world, a lot of them have never had the experience of Bible teaching at all. And they've made all these bad choices and all these bad experiences. And they pay the consequence of uh, those choices and experiences. And it sometimes affects whether or not they're going to become Christians and remain faithful because those consequences keep coming back to haunt them all the time. Good point. And certainly this book is an example that teaches precisely what you're saying. The first nine chapters are exactly a father giving advice, wise, righteous advice to his son. And we as parents need to be providing that for our children. And in the church family, you know, broadly, we're all supporting one another in that as well. All right. You know, Matt, we've talked about given different talents and given different things in life and and what Deborah and, and Don were kind of saying kind of reminds me of, you know, like like God's given you this gift of the wisdom that you've learned. Don't keep it to yourself. That's not something that you know that you can and and we talk about, you know, you were saying something about our our life experiences and how we can relate to, to different things in the Bible and that I think that's something to share. And that so because it gives people an understanding of, of seeing that that scripture in action, it gives them an understanding of, well, they've, they've overcome and I can overcome too. 
you know, it may seem overwhelming in that, but I, they made it through and they're on the other side and maybe I can make it through too. So that kind of thing is really, really kind of the blessing card. You know, maybe learning the wisdom is hard and you go through a lot of hard lessons in order to learn it. But, you know, sharing it with others is a wonderful way to, to, um, to encourage others in that. And to know, you know, that you're giving God the glory there because you didn't learn it yourself. I mean, it was just, you know, you, you, you grow and you understand, you know, this is really true or this really, you know, means a lot in that. And I understand this more and maybe I can help you so you don't have to go through the hardships that I've gone through or something. So just like you were talking about the car, you know, we get wisdom with our car you know, you see someone else struggling, you're like, don't do this, I did this and this happened, you know, or whatever, you know, we pass that on. And so when, why wouldn't we wanna pass on something so vital and so important to someone's life as knowing what God wants in their life and the way to help them have happiness in that, so. Did you get your oil changed or not, right? <laughs> That's. That's not mentioned specifically in the book, but that's the kind of thing, practical wisdom. And we can learn from older, maybe someone older that didn't change the oil and their engine blew up and they've got the story. And I don't want that to happen to me. All right, number two at the bottom, is the book of Proverbs an accumulation of many intelligent observations on life? Or maybe I'll say, is it just an accumulation of many intelligent observations on life? An inspired book of instructions Important to man's moral education or both? We believe it's both. <laughs> yeah, I think it's both. I guess I might putting that word just in there kind of made it both. <clears throat> yep, enough said there. <laughs> All right, other page there, number three. Why are common, why are common, I'm, I'm reading wrong, sorry. Why are Proverbs beneficial tools for teaching and learning? What beneficial features do they possess? How do they help? I answered it by saying they're true sayings. We sometimes do not want to hear, but they're hard to forget once we do ah. hear them. You know. Like the ones about your keeping your mouth shut, you know, I might not want to hear that, but <laughs> it's hard to forget once you hear it. And that, I think it's yes. for salvation for your soul. Okay. I mean, uh, ultimately, certainly some of the wisdom that we'll learn from this is going to wake us up that we need to follow God's word and, and the plan of salvation and all of that. I think that certainly ties into this. But even everyday stuff, you know, make sure you're planning your trip so you don't run out of gas. <laughs> that, that saves you some short-term problems, but certainly we need to think about our life's trip, right? Make sure we're, we're uh, prepared for eternity. Matt? Yes. I think a lot of what the world doesn't have today is common sense. And I think that's what a lot of Proverbs is, you know, is about. It's you know, using your common sense or you have to have common sense in order to understand some of the things that are in there. And 
to me, I wish, I wish that every child, regardless of how old they are, could read Proverbs, uh, you know, because there's so many practical things that lay the groundwork. Uh, I just recently sent a card to a couple that had a child, uh, just had a, their first child. And I put in there, I said, Proverbs is one of, you know, it's a very good book to go to that lays some groundwork for child rearing. And I, the older I am, the, the more I believe that, that we need more common sense in the world. You know, to go with that, we're talking, I'm thinking about, do you ever see those books for dummies? <laughs> I just love right. those books. I think they're so funny. And that, but that's kind of how Proverbs is. It's like life lessons for dummies, you know, and they're, they're taking things that, you know, and maybe we're looking a little bit back and saying some of these, like, you know, I didn't live back then. I don't know. I, I'm going to have to do some research to understand that one. But most of them are general and simple enough that they're like a life lesson or get wisdom for dummies. And that, so, so I kind of, you know, as we're going through here, some of them that are simple in that, I just kind of, I had to laugh at that when I would walked by one bookstore and saw that they still have those books for dummies. And I have bought a few, so I'm not making fun of anyone, <laughs> but I think that that's great. So when I look at Proverbs, I think of that. It's for anybody to understand in that. It's for anybody can get it. There was a, a little skit that Steve Martin did some years ago, and he was he was like selling this book about money management. And the title of the book was Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. And then it's only one page and it says inside, don't buy stuff you cannot afford. And, and there's these people asking him questions. Well, so should I, there's this thing I want to buy, but I don't have the money. Should I buy it? No, don't buy stuff you cannot afford. It's such a simple thing. And, uh, you know, proverbs are like that. They just kind of hammer you over the head with like, yeah, it kind of duh, right? <laughs> but if you don't have that common sense, then you're going to get into all sorts of trouble. Practical stuff. All right. Number four. Are proverb statements of unchangeable truth and immovable promises of God? And that sort of goes similar to our other question, but what do you think about that? I'm not sure why you went on that. Um, there's been a lot of debate about this in the church for years, uh, especially, I think, the one that says, train up a child in the way that they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. Uh, it comes down to, is that a promise of God? Or... Is that just a general truism? I mean, if you don't train the kids, they're not going to grow up right. Uh, you know, so you've got a lot better chance if you train them up right. Um, as a single mom, you know, I look back and I can make a, a really long list of the mistakes I made, but I always, always tried to put God first, no matter what. And I always admitted when I was messing up and, you know, I'd say, hey, God doesn't like it this way. God doesn't want me to do things this way. Let's go to God and pray about it. You know, I, I messed up, but I tried to do right. And, you know, 
definitely one of my kids is way off the tracks, you know, at the moment. And he's in his 30s, you know, and you would think by now he'd come to himself. But I do not perceive this as a promise from God because God does not promise me that he's going to force my son against his will to follow him. And, and that's what it would be if, if these were promises of God. It would mean God was going to manipulate our free will. And I don't think God does that. So I believe very strongly that we should follow what's in the Proverbs. We should do our best. But they're just truisms. Uh, they're the best way to go. We should definitely follow them. But they're not yeah i think you said it well these are true things we should do we should follow these things but the consequences that come from them are not completely guaranteed and under control especially if it relates to other people's choices right but but these are principles that lead generally to the best outcomes then you have proverbs like uh, proverbs 26 4 where it says, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. And then the next verse says, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. And so, well, those are kind of giving opposite advice, but the, the key is to use wisdom and to know, to know when to hold them and know when to fold them, <laughs> as we've said before. So uh, you have to work through the wisdom and figure this out. All right. Number five, what areas of life do Proverbs cover? And which age groups and groups of people does this, who does this apply to? Or who's under consideration? All in all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, there's some we might, go ahead. It, the, uh, it doesn't actually cover area, every area of life. You know, it doesn't tell you, okay, when did you get your oil changed and stuff like that, but it gets you into a thought process of thinking about things. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, then you will apply the knowledge that you have to make the proper decisions. You know, you know, we still mess up and it applies to, you know, obviously this is an older man that's writing this, if it is Solomon, and he's writing it to a son who is a younger man, you know, so it applies to all age groups, you know, we can look back later, you know, every time we read this, probably if you read it now and you read it five years from now, you can say, well, boy, just five years ago, I was pretty dumb, you know, and now I've, you know, and we can keep continuing to grow in our wisdom. Great. You know, Matt, I wrote down a few things. Uh, go ahead, Don. I was just going to say, uh, years ago, when I worked in the engineering department, we had a lot of uh, errors being going out to the plant and so forth. And one of the common sayings was, we've got to work smarter. Well, I look at the book of Proverbs, and I think maybe the, the book of Proverbs is to help us to live smarter. Yes. Good point. I was gonna, Chris, did you have a comment? Yeah, I've just been off of what uh, Nelson said. 
um, we older ones need to keep learning. Dude, we don't have it mastered yet. Uh, and I just look at the examples in God's word of, of people who started out on the right track and then as they got older, they messed up. So to me, that's just a big caution sign. I better keep learning and better keep increasing that wisdom. I guess that's one of the reasons I love these Zoom classes so much and, and the materials we've got, you know, that we've got to put effort and time into looking at it and, you know, hopefully absorbing it into our lives. Good stuff. So some areas that, that covers here that I thought to write down, it covers things about marriage and about parenting and business and dealing with your neighbors, religion and politics. Those are things we don't talk about in our culture, but we, we, we do and we should. And it basically covers everything as Nelson said. All right, number six. How are the Proverbs able to span years, locations and cultures and still be relevant to all people? How are these timeless? How does that work? If I have a manual about how to set up an iPhone, that's not going to be useful in the future. Go ahead. As Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. So the only thing that changes are the ways, uh, you know, people devise to do, you know, bad things or whatever. Um, but there's nothing, nothing different. There's no new experiences uh, for people. They may think in our day and age, you know, that uh, especially with this rampant uh, transsexualism and homosexuality and things, they think they're inventing something new, but it's not, it's not anything that didn't happen in Bible times. So. There's nothing new under the sun. That's right. You know, Matt, we wouldn't want to limit God in supplying his inspiration for his word. You know, you're looking at God's wisdom in this too. And that, and with him being all knowing in that, um, you know, you hear people, they're like, you know, well, well, we've got to change this about the Bible because it doesn't really apply to us now because things have changed and da, da 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 da. It's like they're limiting his wisdom. Well, God didn't know that it was going to change a thousand years later or 2000 years later. And that's so, but we can't do that. You know, that always surprises me when people start to do that. But again, it goes back to what you were saying that when you're getting wisdom, you have to be humble. You have to look and say, I don't know it all. You know, I need to know more. And that, you know, so with God being the author of this, how could it not apply to everybody? How could it not be? good enough for anybody, anytime, anywhere, and that. So we would never want to limit his ability or his wisdom on the matter. Very good. Number seven, why should we study the book of Proverbs? What are we supposed to learn from these little bits and pieces of wisdom in the book? What does it say in the first verses there? We are to discern the sayings of uh, understanding. 
live wise lives and fear God. He doesn't mention verse seven, but that's where it, fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Right. I was going to say a, a lot of this, uh, we've probably heard it before, but it's, it's always good to remember these things as well, to keep them fresh in our minds. And, and I think yeah. if we follow the, um, the principles, it's just going to make our life a lot smoother. Uh, we might get through life uh, getting into a fight because we ran into somebody's car and so we got into a big fight, but life's going to go a lot smoother if we know to keep our mouth shut or <laughs> keep going back to that <laughs> right, one. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, it will make our life smoother if we listen to the advice. All right, number eight asks us, is a smart person necessarily a wise person? Or we talked about Solomon, is a person who has wisdom necessarily using their wisdom? But this is talking about smarts versus wisdom. People learn a lot of things, but they, if they don't make the proper applications in their lives, then they're not really a very smart person, you know. They have a lot of knowledge, but they don't have a way of application. There's that one famous Far Side cartoon where it says the school for the gifted, and there's this kid pushing on the door that says pull, and he's just, he can't figure out how to get into the building. But he's gifted, clearly, he's there, but he doesn't have the wisdom of how to open the door. So we might, have, we might know a lot of facts about pick it, pick the subject, but if we don't know how to make good decisions in life based on our experience and knowledge and synthesizing all of that together, then we just know a bunch of facts. And that can apply to, I mean, that applies to not to biblical and non-biblical things. You know, we go through and we learn, okay, we, we can recite the books of the Bible and what order they go in and all the kings and all the judges but can we make application of the things in our lives? Because that's really where it comes down to. Exactly. Hopefully, the more we know about those things, it'll help to infuse our, our thoughts with, uh, with wisdom. But we have to bring all that together. We have to bring the knowledge into application and wisdom. All right. Number nine, Jesus said, indeed, a greater than Solomon is here, or, or someone greater than Solomon is here, some translations will say. What does that statement imply about Jesus' relationship to the wisdom of the Old Testament? The Old Testament was there for our instruction. We were to learn from the things in the Old Testament to apply the wisdom and knowledge that we learned from those books and those individuals. You know, Matt, you can be inspired by God, but you can never beat God. You know, Jesus was greater than anybody that was ever inspired. You know, the wisest man can't even come close to God. And that, so that's kind of what it's saying, you know, it's like, you know, they were relying so much on their scripture and he was trying to direct their heads to understand 
somebody greater than even Solomon is here. You know, you would listen to Solomon if he was standing in front of you and here I am and you're not listening to me and that I am greater than Solomon. So he's trying to redirect them just like we should know that Jesus beats any inspired man of God because he is God. So. And there's some comments in chapter eight of Proverbs that talk about this sense in which wisdom was used in the creation of the world. And then we think about John one, John chapter one, when the beginning was the word, the word was with God, you know, and, and everything was made through him and nothing was made apart from him and that sort of thing. And so we, we get this sense that, that uh, Jesus was involved in creation and wisdom was involved in creation. And there seems to all be kind of blurred together a little bit there. All right. You know, you know the other yeah. thing, you know, in Hebrews at the beginning, it talks about God, how various times spoke to the people in different ways, but in the last days has spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the world. So that kind of fits right in with what you just said. And it's like, well, you know, you've heard the wisdom of Solomon, but now here's a better wisdom to hear. You know, it's kind of, it took us to this point, like, like the old law, just as the old law was compared to a schoolmaster. You know, and then once, you know, the schoolmaster wasn't needed anymore once we got up to Christ because we were, we were where we, you know, Christ took us to where we needed to be. So, or just, or like in the transfiguration, this is my beloved son, hear him. Okay, as he told me about. Yeah. All right, we're getting short on time. Question 10 asks us sort of about the uh, general outline. This is kind of what I shared in my presentation. It actually pretty closely matches uh, chapters one through nine is the the lectures, the series of lectures of the son to the the father to the son. Uh, Ten through twenty two is labeled as the proverbs of Solomon. Chapter twenty two through twenty four it says the words of the wise, and you know there's different thoughts about what that means. But that's how it's labeled, uh, and then Proverbs twenty five through twenty nine again it says of Solomon, but it mentions that it's it's uh, copied by Hezekiah's men, so it seems like there were some later. Uh, men working on uh, Solomon's material to put that section together. Chapter 30 is the words of Agur, and then Proverbs 31 is Lemuel. I, I would I broke that down a little more, the worthy woman in uh, verses 10 through 31 there. So just to review on that, but the last question asks us, think of a time when you used wisdom in your life. You don't have to be the, you know, most fantastic thing in the world, but Something where you made a wise decision or maybe had some previous experience or some advice someone told you that you took and that you were better for it for having followed that. Have a story you want to share? Getting married. Getting married. Okay. Good. Uh. <laughs> Does Tim agree? <laughs> well, I almost married the wrong guy at the beginning and then then the other then, guy came along and then I you really it. messed up well <laughs> i'll be nice I, won't say anything. <laughs> I wrote something similar i said i married a faithful girl from church that's that the first thing i wrote other thoughts matt um yes in my side of the family uh and we've also known other family members that married into us uh, they've had problems with being bipolar the Bible doesn't talk about being bipolar, but it does talk about how to be kind towards that person. 
It talks about being patient when they have their highs and their lows. Uh, you know, it may not directly talk about certain diseases or, you know, mental issues that people have, but it doesn't change the fact that you are to be compassionate and kind and understanding as much as you're able to be. Or people who have Alzheimer's, uh, it, <clears throat> the first time we ever came across someone uh, was an older woman in church, and it was quite an ordeal learning how to deal with this kind of person because nothing prepared me to deal with a person with Alzheimer's. But, you know, like I said, you just learn to go with the flow of how they're thinking, and you learn to be patient, and you don't humiliate them or make fun of them. You just learn how to deal with it appropriately. <laughs> Good application. Matt. Ralph, yes. My example of using wisdom in my life when I finally realized how far I had wandered away from Christ and the church and made a decision to come home. Very good example. Thank you. Others? Doesn't have to be the biggest thing in your life. Just something simple is good too. <laughs> I think just learning to turn the other cheek, mm -hmm. you know, it's just like so many times we absorb all the negativity thrown at us instead of letting it roll off of us or being willing to give that person another chance um, and that to be forgiving and everything. It's like if you hold in all of that anger, all of that bitterness, it does not make you a healthy person or a happy person for that matter or a peaceful person. You know, it just goes against that. So I guess realizing how much you make your own mistakes, be willing to be humble and forgive others and, and turn the other cheek when, when maybe you haven't been treated very well. And that is, is, is probably one of life's hardest lessons, yet it's the one that will help you have more happiness in your life and peace and, and everything. So... And going along with that, uh, giving a soft answer, something that won't uh, <laughs> pour gasoline on the fire. A soft answer turns away wrath, right? We, we remember that one, hopefully, and we, we're in a, a chaotic fight situation, and we remember a soft answer turns away wrath, so I'm not going to freak out with them. I'm going to either say nothing or say something calm. And that might, that might calm the situation down or that person might be so out of control that you, you know, you can't control them, but that's the best approach. <laughs> that's what this, these things teach us, right? We shouldn't add to that fire. Any other burning thoughts before we, we close up for tonight? Next week's going to be the topic of wisdom itself. So we'll, we'll drill down into that topic. So this book, as we've said, is kind of set up topically. So it goes to these broad topics and then it starts getting into practical things like money and marriage and the adulteress and all that, all those specific things as we go on. All right. If there's nothing else, uh, Jim Craig, we ask you to dismiss us, please. I love to tell the story. Twill be my theme in glory. To tell the old, old story 
of Jesus and his love.